The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. If you were going to show the recipe for success with this Toronto Maple Leaf team, if you were going to take a snapshot of like what does this team firing on all cylinders look like? Ah, eh, not really true because Matt Murray was awful. But it if you're gonna look at the the players on the ice excluding Matt Murray, it would be Saturday night's win against the Edmonton Oilers. The core players lifting the team like a, a kind of a tough first period. Matt Murray just was not in good shape, and the big boys step up, and they grab the team, put them on their back, and before you know it, they score four unanswered. And I just think, I was watching it, thinking to myself, this is it. This is, what does this team beating another good hockey team look like? Thinking ahead to round one against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and with the exception of Matt Murray, that's what it looks like. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, it's such a long season, but after the absolute embarrassment they had at Edmonton, um, I thought that collectively, maybe it's recency bias as well, that this was the best game I've ever seen the core forwards play. Like, all of them just firing on all cylinders all night long. Because even in the first period when they were giving up goals, I thought they were still playing very well. It's just... I mean, the goals were the goals, whatever. But I mean, it, you're right. If you're gonna, if this team is gonna be successful, that is the game you show everybody, being like, "This is what this team can do when they're firing on all cylinders." Because it looked phenomenal. I should correct myself and say it was actually five unanswered goals, not four. You kind of attributed that a little bit to the eleven and seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for this, for the seven D, I, I don't love it as someone who played. D growing up. Oh, um, you played hockey? Well, I mean, really? According to everyone. All you got to do is read the comments on our TikTok and our YouTube and be like, well, if you ever played the game. Yeah. <laughs> we all played the game, man. Relax. Like, it's fine. But, like, I, I just remember when there was, I mean, I never played with 7D, but even playing with 6D, it was fine. But then once, like, one guy went down and there was five guys and you got to, like, rotate and get that double shift, it always, like, put you in the game a little bit more. And, I don't love seeing the 7D, but I thought last night I noticed just the different when when guys are firing on all cylinders like that, just the different um, line combinations that were hitting the ice, like seeing Tavares and Matthews on the same line, five on five, uh, just Nylander playing with every single guy in the lineup. I, they kind of kept Matthews and Martin together for the most part, but it is through Nylander all over the all over the lineup. And same with Tavares, and I just thought that. Because they were playing so well, them getting that extra ice and getting those double shifts really worked in their favor in terms of winning that hockey game. Like, they were just dynamite, all of them. I guess it's kind of obvious that if your best players are on the ice more, it increases your chance of winning the hockey game. And playing very well, too. Like, I thought, I mean, last episode, I lobbied some criticism on Austin Matthews. and. Austin Matthews didn't have four points last night, but man, was he engaged. 
Like, holy shit. Every single shift he was out there with McDavid. He was, he was, you could tell, like he was just engaged. Him and like McDavid was, had the little, little dust yeah, up too. Like Love to see that. I get it. It's an 82 game season. It's very difficult to, to, to be that engaged every single night. I, I would like him to put up more points, no doubt, but Man, if he if you if he plays like that against another top line in, in the playoffs, if he goes against Stamkos in that line playing like that, physical, just all like offensively, defensively, same attention on both sides of the ice, like I thought he was just fantastic. And Mitch Marner once again doing what Mitch Marner does with the incredible takeaway in the middle of the ice and just right in, nice little deke on Skinner. That was disgusting. Yeah, it was that disgusting. Was, that, that was, was unbelievable. That, that is Mitch Marner. There are very few players in the National Hockey League that can do that on a consistent basis, and he does it on a consistent basis. Like whether, like, say what you want about the guy. I know he's got people who, like, I know he's got some people who don't care for him, like personally, at least from what I've seen on social media. But man, can, is that guy an incredible hockey player? I have I I come into this show today with one main thing I want to get across and we've talked a lot as has every other person who cover this team who covers this team in the last few weeks about all the trade deadline additions and who they brought in and how do they fit and where do they go and like what role are they going to play etc cetera, etc cetera. since the moment they got him I have dubbed myself the president of his fan club and I'm going to continue to do so do- do soul, do so. Noel Achari. This guy, when all is said and done, might go down as the most underrated acquisition at the trade deadline. When you look back at this Kyle Dubas era, this is the exact type of guy they've never had. They've tried to bring in a guy like this, like bring in the veterans like Joe Thornton and Patty Marlowe. To like add leadership and whatever. They brought in Wayne Simmons. Love Wayne Simmons. We all love Wayne Simmons. But Wayne Simmons' best days were behind him. This is the type of guy they haven't had. When we sat here, we sat here all year. And we were like, the bottom six sucks. The bottom six sucks. The bottom six sucks. They go out and they get a guy in Nolachari who does everything. He's When you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and you look ahead to the first round and you think to yourself... Well, Corey Perry's going to be up in everybody's grill again. Corey Perry's going to be getting in everyone's head. Noel Achari is, is the Leafs' version of Corey Perry. He's not as much of a rat as Corey Perry is, but he's really difficult to play against. He knows his role. He scored two big goals for them yesterday. He hits. He's in on scrums. He's not afraid of anybody out there. When, when he's out on the ice, the other team, and the puck goes in the corner, the other guy's looking back over his shoulder because Achari's coming in. He's going to finish his check. Like, this is the exact type of guy that they've never had. And when people say, oh, people criticize the Dubas era and go difficult to play against, Noel Achari is difficult to play against. I love this guy. Love him. I mean, anytime he can chip in with a goal, that's just gravy. But yeah, it's just the, the finishing of body checks that's just very noticeable. And just, yeah, just being physical, just being a, a fourth-line role player who is physical. Like, that is who doesn't love that guy. Who understands the role of a bottom-six guy. That's that's the thing. It's like your, your job is to go out there. You're not going to play. You're going to play, like, 10, 12 minutes a night. You're going to go out there 
in the playoffs, it might be even less than that. But when you're called upon, you got to go out there and you got to make it difficult. Finish a check, like like first, like first on pucks in the offensive zone. If somebody's standing out front of your net or somebody's standing along the boards in your zone, give them a whack, give them a stick, give them a whatever. Like let them know, like this is not you're not going to just chill out here. We're not going to be pushed over. Sound very dad right now. Well, it's true though. Give him a whack. Well, it's true though. Give, give him a, a whack. Stick. It's true though. Give him one. Like give honestly, him a check. yeah, give him one. You mentioned Wayne Simmons. I think with Wayne Simmons, it's just his best days were behind he was him. Never a bottom six forward though. Yeah. Like he when he was at his best, he was on the top power play of the Philadelphia Flyers, who was was a prolific power play, and he scored a lot of goals like that. So like him coming in trying to fit that role didn't work. But this guy is just comes in, knows his role, and. Does all the dad things right. Yeah. He's in your stick. Yeah, he does. Use your stick. Give him a whack. Give him a whack. Give him a little... Put your glove in somebody's stand- face Yeah, give him a little whistle. face wash at the end of a scrum. Now, you got to mention... I think now you have to mention the other guy. Who? Sam Lafferty. Oh, well, there was, a, there was a couple moments last night where there's a scrum out front of the Leafs net, and there's Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty right in the middle of it. Like, that's... The, the, that is important. That stuff is important. I know there's a huge segment of the fan base that doesn't think that's important it's very important i think with lafferty i think what i saw is just what a valuable asset to have a guy who can play center yes like he and he has the speed like is he the most skilled player in the world no but man can this guy move and he plays a very important position if he has to and He's just way better than Engvall. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's way more valuable than Pierre Engvall, and that's basically who he replaced because he can play center. Like, he's he's just, he looks really good to me. Like, he's just a good hockey player. I'm he's a solid guy. Like, a guy I want on my team. I'm, I'm waving the white flag right now. This is me surrendering to all of you absolute dorks on social media who are just every second you can get. Well, Rasmus Sandin, two more points last night because of Pierre Engvall playing on the top line. It's like, listen, no one is sitting here saying they're bad hockey players. We're saying Pierre Engvall's soft. I sat here, check the tape. I sat here for years and talked about Rasmus Sandin's upside. Listen, it it ran its course. The The... There was no fit anymore. They were looking for a different look up front. We just talked about it with Achari and Lafferty who bring an element of physicality that Engvall doesn't. That's what they wanted, so they moved on from him. Rasmus Sandin, he's like, he's playing like 20-plus minutes a night for the Washington Capitals. He was never going to get that opportunity here. I just didn't. Let it go. Let it go. I just didn't see that same energy towards um when he was here though like who was where were those people knocking on the sandine drum when he was here i just think because i'm someone who actually always liked him like we were sat here a couple weeks ago and i said that i i really like him i think he's really good this has been a pro rasmus sandine podcast since it started we have been on here the entire time being like this guy has a ton of upside he's got a ton of potential but it's just like I didn't see people just clamoring for him to be the top guy on the PP or just getting more ice time. He was just a guy who fit in that everyone just kind of had a, a polarizing opinion about. But like this team, like I know they're like if you look at their stats, I don't have it in front of me, but as as a decor, they don't they're they're pretty low in the NHL in terms of points contributed. They're, as a decor, they're not the best contributing offensive decor in the league, but. 
I mean, this team at this point, like, almost just, they don't need that. Like, you know, they think that's not their game. That's what I'm saying. They don't, like, he's getting an opportunity in Washington that he wouldn't have gotten here. Full stop. And they felt like it was time to move on. Sure, you maybe in a while you can look back and think to yourself, oh, that's too bad that that they let this guy go. He's had a great career in Washington, whatever. But it's like it's spilt milk, folks. Like it's like he's gone. He's not coming back. Stop reminding everyone every second you get that he had two more points last night. But we've talked about this forever with Toronto sports fans. You see it with the Blue Jays all the time. People just get so emotionally attached to these guys. And at the end of the day, it's a transaction, and these guys get treated like pieces on a chessboard, and you can talk about the inhumanity of that, but they get paid a lot of money, and Kyle Dubas and his management team, Brendan Shanahan, made a decision that we don't need him anymore, or he doesn't have a, a, he's not a proper fit here based on how we want to construct our roster and our defense. So it's just like... Man, I'm just, I'm just every time you open it up, there's some dork on Twitter who's just like, oh, another big night for Rasmus. It's like, oh my God, man, let it go. Be happy with what you have now. It's a good hockey team who beat another good hockey team last night, came from behind, overcame a brutal performance from their goaltender, and were marching into the playoffs. Like, focus on that. Stop worrying about what Rasmus and Engvall are doing. Yeah. See that rant? I just bought so much time for you to look up stats on I, your laptop. I, I know. I still can't even, I can't even find it right now. But, yeah. I mean, I've, it's just, like, whatever. Like, it's it's over. Like, he's gone. Get over it. Are, Fine. Are you, it's, a, it's nice having a, a, a defenseman who's slotted in with TJ Brody, where clearly, from what I've seen, the ice time for both these guys, that... Morgan Riley's now on the second pair, and your top pair is TJ Brody and is, Jake McCabe. Which I think is a good thing for everyone involved. I think getting Morgan Riley away from the big boys and having less, being less defensively responsible, which is when he really struggles, and letting him wheel and deal a little bit more offensively, that's a winning formula for Morgan Riley. So, you know what? I just said Achari might go down as, as the most underrated. Getting Jake McCabe for two more years at 2 million after this is a stroke of absolute. That's incredible. That's an incredible job by Kyle Dubas. Incredible job. Word of like, but just, I mean, I'm, I, I am like it, this, this next little stretch here, like in the season, like you, you just look at the schedule and how, how frantic it is and how many, how much hockey they have to play from now between, um, April, I think April 11th is like the last day of the season. Um, how many, how many more pods is that? Like four, five, six? Yeah, like so I, I'm, I am, I am itching towards like, I, I am really, really itching towards April this. 13th is their last game of the season close. against the New York Rangers. They, they play a lot of good teams. Yeah. They play up. a lot of good teams. Like, if like you look a at lot him, of interesting divisional opponents, they play the hurricanes twice, hurricanes twice, they play got the Panthers, Panthers twice, twice. the Panthers three times. Yeah, they do Panthers three times. They got the Bruins once they got the Sabres in here somewhere. The Sabres up next, actually they yeah. got, yeah, the, the Rangers, the Lightning again. Like, it's, yeah, it's not. You know what, though? You just, that's what you want. Are like, you concerned at all about Matt Murray? I just don't think that this guy deserves to play. Like, I mean, he came back. He he played pretty well against Vancouver. And then it was just, 
did Matt Murray start game one? It's like, how could you, how could you disrespect your, to me, it's, it's almost like, it, it's kind of silly how Samsonov would not get that opportunity unless he just absolutely sucks for the rest of this season. But this, like, to me, this guy's deserved this opportunity. He's been in the net for them pretty much all year. He's got a 9-15 save. He's been above average. He's been a top 10 goalie for most of the season. Like, I, I think it's a joke how this guy wouldn't get the opportunity game one unless he's just awful for the rest of the season. I think people just, like, look at the the um, resume of well, Matt they just, Murray. They want to re recreate what happened six years ago. Yeah, I like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think no. from from this season, I really understand why other fans, like, why Sens fans don't like Matt Murray because it's just like, what like all year? It's like, what's there to like about? Like he's just been injured all year. He's come back. Like and he's, then I'm, and then I'm my phone is blowing up last night of people being like, Matt Murray's awful right now. Yes, like, he's terrible. Yeah, the goal, just, the goal that Connor McDavid scored, you could have driven a a, a Mack truck through his five hole. Like nothing. I've been noticing McDavid pulls the five hole a lot, and it's just like I think well, goalies need to start figuring that out because I, I mean the last like. 10 goals he's had. I'm pretty sure like at least half of them have been five hole goals. I thought the Edmonton Oilers unraveled in that game. They unraveled. The Leafs dialed up the pressure and the Oilers just had no answer. And Mike Bunting was getting in everybody's head. And it was just the officiating was horrendous yet again. And listen, you and I both ref have refereed before. So we're not usually pick on the refs guys. I'm more of a, refereeing is just an obstacle you have to overcome to win the game. But it's getting, it's gotten to a point now with the National Hockey League where it's, it's not good. This might be gimmicky, but I, I noticed at least two shifts against Edmonton where McDavid, it was more on a breakout. So I don't know if it was on purpose, but like, I, I'm just wondering, like if McDavid's on the ice five on five and you're the other team, like, do you just just play a gimmick style where like you just collapse everybody back into your like close to your zone in the neutral zone and just I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, you know, just play like an old New Jersey devil style kind of trap every single time he's on the ice because you, you watch all his goals. It's just him like he has so much space to create offense. And when you give him any space, he's going to score like you saw last night, like Jake McCabe. Love the guy. But one-on-one -on -one against Connor McDavid, he looks like an absolute joke. Well, anyone, like, anyone one-on-one -on -one against Just cuts Connor to the McDavid. middle. This guy has no chance. There's no forwards back to, to pick him up. And he's just, it's tough if you're Murray. I know his, his five-hole is wide open, but maybe that's why these five-hole goals are happening so fast because it's he's coming in so quickly. And, and it's just like, they're like almost shell-shocked. So it's like, if you're an opposing coach, like five-on-five, five, I would almost just like waste a shift. Just, yeah. Just playing almost a gimmick style to make sure that he doesn't get that time and space to skate through everybody. Because that's all how that's how all his goals are scored. Well, and he does operate on a higher level, like to the like you almost have to do that. I know. And yeah. It's it's stupid. Like you're 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 not really gonna get any offense that shift, but then you look at the I know dry sidles is good, but in terms of just domination, like it's all it's all McDavid in terms of just speed, speed through the neutral zone, like everything. And it's it's almost like I would play almost a gimmick style against them and take your chances for the rest of that lineup. Yeah, I like after those after like after that line, it's I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great like sort of Saturday night 
game. There was some chippiness there. Like these are the two marquee Canadian franchises right now. Like it was really, it felt, it felt some, when you get to this point in the season, to your earlier point, like it does become a bit of a slog. Like you're kind of like, all right, let's just get like, we all know what the first round is going to be. Let's just get there. But I did have a moment last night where I was like, this is, this is really good. Like this is exciting Saturday night matchup with two good hockey teams. Marquee. Well, I just thought about it because last week I was just digging on Matthews and I'm just watching that game and I'm like, this guy is unbelievable right now. I wouldn't say you were digging on him. I would say that you, I would say that basically what we said last time, like the guy has set the bar so high for himself and thus far in the season from, from like a production standpoint, even though he's still having like a great season, but he set the bar so high. So yeah. you, you kind of look at it and you're like, um, this isn't like you're better than this almost, but yeah, you watch him against the Edmonton Oilers and it's like, no, no, if he, like you said earlier, if he, he was, goes out there and he plays was physical, like yeah. he was physical against them. Like it wasn't just like finishing checks. It's just like, you see what happens when you bring in an Achari and you bring in a McCabe and you bring in a Lafferty and guys who don't take any shit after the whistle or when someone on your team gets roughed up, there's someone in there. And when Luke Shen eventually gets here, he's going to do the same thing. Although he can't play because Justin Hole is Sheldon Keefe's son, but it's like, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I know that you can't quantify it through a number, but getting in your opponent's head with physicality and saying, you know what? If I take a swing at Tavares or Marner or Matthews here, someone's coming after me on the next shift. That is, that's part of the gamesmanship and the chess match that is professional hockey. Sorry, it is. And he looked, he looked, he he was playing like a guy who looked embarrassed about the effort he gave at Edmonton. Yeah. Like he got embarrassed that night. Well, and he's also heard the, the, the talk about like, like, you know, like, for years, it's been people said Matthews McDavid one A, and I think McDavid's kind of laughed or or McDavid one and Matthews one A, excuse me. And I think people uh, he's heard that, and McDavid's kind of left him in the dust a little bit. And I think last night he was just like, no, yeah, he looked pissed off. Yes, like he was on top of him all night. Yes, all night, and yes. he was you could tell like he was bigger than him yes. too. Like he was. He was laid physical. him out. He, what old school hip check yeah, there? The like, blue line, and then McDavid on purpose. And then McDavid hit. had a little spaz. Yeah, and off off you go. I was very impressed with him. Yes. I thought he was fantastic. So good. Like that's the type of like that is that is like the the best two way hockey player. Like that is the best version of a two way Austin Matthews. Like holy shit, he's yeah. good man. Hundred percent. Fantastic. Yeah, I William Nylander again. Gets another big goal. Was all around the net. Uh, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, all of them were great. It was he, it was a great night. It it really was. I want to do a documentary on William. I want someone to commission a documentary on William Nylander, and I want it. To, I want it to be about the psychology of a professional athlete and how important just self confidence and maturing is. Because this guy, night in and night out. He he plays like I'm one of the best guys out in the ice right now. No one's like I'm not scared of anybody out here. And you just like it's incredible. It's his journey. I feel like a proud father watching him play hockey. He's just oh my god, just his speed. Like this year, just his speed with the puck is yeah. just 
gone to another level. Like it's just his fitness and his physical ability is just gone through the roof. He he was fantastic. Do you read anything into this continued slump of the with the Tampa Bay Lightning? Like, are you like, oh no, they might not be the same Lightning team as they once were, but then you're like, no, they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning, and when the game starts, they're still the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. I mean, they got a nice little dummy win against. The second worst team in the NHL. And um but other than that, like, yeah, they were struggling, but who I mean, it doesn't matter. These guys three how, how could you question how, you can't question them. You can't. No. I think they're very due for a first round exit. Don't get me wrong. I think if the Leafs come in and play anything like they did against Edmonton, like we could they could win that series. I know they can win the series. I know they can. And I honestly felt that way last year. But you you can't you can't like these guys are gonna show up. Like they're 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 gonna show up, um, three, four, and three in their last ten. Vasilevsky's numbers aren't aren't great. No, so I mean, but again, he's he's just yeah, no, you can't question yeah. him. You can't. Yeah. It's three years. They three years in a row. You can't question. Them. How can you? You can't. I mean, I I guess the only the only argument I've heard from other radio stations that I agree with is their decor has diminished. Like, they're, they're, what they have on the back end isn't as good as what they've had in the past. But they still have the best defenseman in the league they leading, leading the way. They yes. have the best defenseman in the series, and they have the best goalie in the series, and that gives them a, a very distinct advantage in pretty much any playoff series, and it's shown over the past and when he, three seasons. When he decides to turn it on, you could put Kucherov in there as one of the best offensive players in, yeah, in the series. Holes, yeah, well. like yeah, like, they're... they're, they're the resume speaks for themselves. There, anyone underestimating that team is a complete idiot. I do think they're ripe for the picking. I do think they could. They're they're due for an early exit. These guys are probably exhausted. How are they not exhausted? Yeah, I you know. know. Like it's just like every single year they gear up. I don't know, but they always just find that gear. They always just get it done. Yeah, we've said in the past like that team it has an uncanny ability to score a clutch goal. Yep, at a at a clutch opportunity. So I mean. It's going seven games. It that's, is. That's going, what yeah, I do. Yeah, now. it's going like, seven games. Yeah. And would it be, it, would it be just like the best thing ever if this team just, if the Leafs just wanted like five? Uh, I know, I know. No, but I that's know. Just never going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. Like, I always think about that. Like, what if they just like won the series in five games? What because if they just slayed the dragon, got the monkey off their back in five games? Or they just pulled like a Columbus and went out there and swept them. Yeah, but that's yeah. just, you just know it's not going to happen. No, no, because they live like... It's part of, it's the joke that we made last episode. It's like, this is just part of being a fan of this team. It's like you, they're gonna, they're gonna keep you on the edge of your seat at all times. Like the Edmonton game turned out to be really great, but there was a moment in there where Matt Murray, you're just sitting there going, oh my God, like they're playing so well and they're going to lose this game because Matt Murray can't stop anything. And that's just part of being a Leaf fan. It's, it's rarely like this. It is always... Like this, up and down, up and down. That's why I like doing this podcast. It's exhausting sometimes. Yeah. Well, I can't like because you just like like I feel like one week I come in here, I'm screaming, I'm crying, and then they go and play the the best game of the season. You're like, damn, these guys are good when they're good. That's why you know what the guys who are on the radio take a lot of heat, but I will always empathize with anyone who does a daily show. Like Mike, how do you keep it interesting? I don't know. Ugh. We do it week to week, and I, I sometimes like even today. Like I came in here today, and I was, 
I was like, well, they played they played a hell of a hockey game. Yep. And now it's like so we just got to come what, on here and glow and tell everyone to shut up about Pierre Engvall and Rasmus Sandin. I think what this year's version of the Maple Leafs have proved like above anything is that they they just been remarkably consistent this year, I think. Like, yeah, they 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 go through their ups and downs, but if you look at the record, like I'm pretty sure they've only lost in regulation twice in a row, like once all year. Yeah. Like they've just been they like they haven't gone on a long losing streak. They haven't had a long winning streak. They've just won more games that they've lost, and, and it's been very consistent. And they've kept pace with the Lightning all year. And if Boston was not having some sort of ridiculous, like out of their mind season, yeah, like a historic once in a lifetime season, I'd imagine they'd be right there with Boston too. Yeah. Like It'd the be start a three of the, horse race. The start of the season was tough, and then they got over that. And ever since then, like they've been, like think of, look at that Western road trip. At times, there was two games on that road trip that were brutal, terrible. But at the end of the day, they went three and two on that road trip. Yeah, they still came out with a winning record, and then they beat Edmonton again. So they're like four and two in the last six games. And two of those games, everyone was freaking out, being like, "This is awful." Seven, three, and oh, in their last 10. Yeah, that's been their season. Yeah. Like, that's like we, like, complain. I've complained about a lot of things this season. And, and that's because I know what happens in the playoffs. Like, it, we know, but like, at the end of the day, you got to give them credit for how consistent they've been in the regular season. Like, there hasn't really been a streak where it's like, oh my God, they lost five in a row. They're awful. Like, this is brutal. They've just been seven and three. I don't know about you, but that sounded like a pretty compelling case to give Kyle Dubas a contract extension. No. No, 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 no. They got to win around. All right, let's get out of here before we get ourselves into even more trouble. Thanks so much, everybody, for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Leave comments, even if you want to rip us, especially if you follow us on TikTok. That happens anyway. Oh, my God, man. Can I just say, like, PSA for people on social media. I see takes, sports takes all the time that I think are really stupid or I disagree with or I think, what are you watching? But you know what I do? I just keep scrolling and I move on and I cease to think about it after the split second. I don't go out of my way to comment and be like, look at these two pigeons. Stupid. Like, but at the end of the day, that comment drives that con. You wouldn't see that video on your feed if that idiot didn't comment you pigeons. So you know what? It's it's if, a circle. It's a it's a vicious circle, man. Yep. If you want to call, if you want to comment and call us pigeons, go right oh, ahead. I was getting destroyed for including Manchester United in a cursed franchise. Uh, we were getting, we were getting. It was like the the video that I posted about our our Sheldon Keefe take about. Benching Lilligren. It was either there it was one of two comments. It was you guys are complete idiots, or it was just slandering Justin Hole into existence. And it was like, listen, I didn't say benchmark Giordano. No. I just said like it just said give him a little load management. Yeah, just yeah. like for if you want to instead of doing 7D, like we know Mark's in the lineup. Like yeah, I love Mark. No, there is no doubt. Love Mark. Yeah, I love Mark. There's no like, doubt that Gio is in the lineup for game one. It's just the guy's 39. You want him to be his peak physical condition and ready to go for game one. Like that's all we're saying. I would I even make that argument at times with Tavares. You know what, I, we don't need to defend ourselves. Yeah, we don't need to defend. No, nah, I'm not need to defend. Yeah, if you don't like it, yeah. click off. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. 
The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.